All right. Yeah, like, like Ingram said, we've been in this season um, for the entire summer as a community. For those of you who were not here, uh, we journeyed together as a church through the book of Colossians, this ancient letter that a man named Paul wrote to a church in a very insignificant city in the ancient Near East, um, a city called Colossae. And in the letter, Paul lays out all of these really beautiful, wonderful truths about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be um, a church, what it means to be the people of God. And we've just been in that book the entire summer. And we thought, what better way to end our summer than to pray through the book, to pray um, for, can I move this back just a little bit? Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, don't worry, guys. I'm a ninja. It's fine. Uh, so we decided let's end by praying together um, through this book. And so that's what we're doing. At the, the conclusion of this letter, at the beginning of chapter 4, as Paul is beginning to kind of bring the letter to a close, he says this in verse four, uh, chap, chapter 4, verse 2. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And so tonight, that's what we're going to do. And if you've been here for any part of this series, you know that we've been praying in all sorts of ways. And I want to begin by saying this. If you're new to the whole church thing, or you're here because a friend has been nagging you to check it out, and uh, you're like, you're not a Christian, you're not even religious, this is whole thing, singing songs, this is like new and di so different and so foreign to you, you just need to hear, we're ecstatic that you're here. Thank you so much for taking that risk and just being here with us in a high school cafeteria on a Sunday night. There is no pressure or weight or whatever, there's nothing. You do not have to do a thing tonight. But there is an invitation. There's an invitation to all of us, whether we know, love, and are following Jesus passionately, or this is our first time stepping foot into a church. The invitation is open to all of us to quiet ourselves, to listen really well, speak a little bit slowly, to be mindful of our surroundings, and maybe in the midst of all of that, to experience something more, to experience something bigger. Tonight, as we pray, we're going to ask God for some stuff. And I have always found asking God for stuff to be a little bit strange. I've, sometimes I feel guilty about it. But I want to tell you a story that I think depicts, in my mind, a really beautiful picture of what it means to ask God to move and to act. This uh, picture is the picture of a young man from Malawi, Africa, named William Kamkwamba. In 2001, Malawi, Africa was hit with the worst famine in its history, the most severe famine, and families were wiped out. They lost everything, and William's family, William Kumkwamba's family, was one of those families that lost absolutely everything. And in Malawi, Africa, you do not go to school, even secondary school, for free. And so... William was 14 years old in 2001 when the, when the famine hit. And his family had nothing left, so they absolutely could not afford for William to go to school. 
but he had this hunger, this deep desire to learn. And so William would trek miles each way every day to the closest library. And he taught himself how to read English. And one day he picked up an American book called Using Energy. And in the book, he saw this very basic, generic diagram of a windmill. And for the first time in his life, he realized, I can actually harness the wind to create energy, like for my house, because we have no electricity, nothing. And so using some wood that he found in his neighborhood and an old bike frame and a pulley from the junkyard and a plastic pipe from his home, he built his very first windmill. It generated about 12 watts of energy. It powered a couple of light bulbs and a couple of radios in his house. And this windmill caught the attention of everybody in the surrounding towns and villages. And so William Kumquamba would go around and salvage. He would take all these scraps he would find, and he continued building windmills like this one, which is about 40 feet tall, powered almost an entire village. William continued building uh, windmill after windmill, harnessing wind to create energy for people in need. And he did it using scraps that were thrown away. He eventually used the same know-how and intellect and technology and ingenuity to begin building small water pumps where he would dig into the ground and create water pumps that could pump up fresh water for people in his villages. William ended up uh, being a keynote speaker at multiple TED conferences, studied at Cambridge University, and he's now finishing his graduate work at Dartmouth College in New Hampshire. He's an author, and he's one of the most sought-after speakers um, in his field. Now, why do I tell you this story? Because the truth is, when I go to God to pray, I have to be honest with who I am and what I have. And if I'm going to be honest, not just with God, but honest with you tonight, the reality is I have very little, and I am a messed up, broken person who does not have it together. I have nothing but scraps, and yet I am standing before the God of the universe asking him to move. And here's what I have learned from William's story. When we pray, we are asking the Holy Spirit to move. Now, we don't want to get super weird and ethereal here. Let me just explain this to you. When Jesus, God in the flesh, came and lived, died, came back to life, he promised us something, or better yet, someone when he left. He promised us the Holy Spirit. In the Greek, the original language of the New Testament, the word for Holy Spirit is pneuma. And in the Hebrew, the original language of the Old Testament, the word for uh, Spirit, Holy Spirit, is ruach. And interestingly enough, both words translate literally wind. And so when we pray, we take our scraps the little that we have, we take the messes of our lives, the crap, the baggage, the brokenness, the shame, the hurt, we take the scraps. And it is not the scraps that save us, 
It is when we build whatever we can build with our feeble and small prayers, like William's windmill, that the Spirit, pneuma, ruach, wind, begins to move, and voila, there's power. There's power in our lives, in the lives of people around us, and in our city, and in this church, in ways that you and I could never have generated on our own. This is what we are doing tonight. Taking our scraps and watching God make something amazing out of it. We're going to ask God with our scraps tonight to recreate some things. There's this passage in uh, chapter 3 of Colossians. It says this, verses 1 to 5, and then the conclusion in verses 9 to 10. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And he concludes, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and here's the key for us tonight, and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator, the new self, in the image of our creator. And so tonight, with whatever scraps, whatever little we feel like we have to offer, we are going to ask God to recreate us, to make us new, to help us put on this new self we're going to pray in a, in a variety of ways, but this first kind of movement of prayer here is what we are going to ask you to do. Can we just put those prayer points up on the screen? I'm going to ask you to pray on your own quietly, kind of in the quiet. Uh, the band's going to play a little bit in the background, um, but in kind of the darkness of this room, find some space to listen well, to speak slowly, and, and use these prayer points as just jumping off points for you as you pray. You begin by confessing and surrendering anything in your life that you've prioritized and set before God. And the truth is, most of us have things like this. I know I do. And the five o'clock service, um, it was rough, you know, as I was praying through this. Like, oh man, when you intentionally confess these things, God just brings all this stuff to the surface, doesn't he? And you're like, man, I've put all this stuff before God. So confess that stuff. And then identify any areas, situations, or relationships where you need God to do what only he can do and pray for those needs. So in this first kind of movement of prayer tonight, quietly on your own, this is just for you. Don't feel selfish about it. We'll continue on in a little bit and pray for others and pray for our church and our city. But right now, begin with you. Confess to God and ask God to move however you need him to move. Just like we've been saying in previous weeks, if you need some space, there's uh, some space, a rug and some pillows back there under the lights. If you need some space, if you just absolutely need to be under the stars, then there are no stars right now, so that won't work, but at least the sky, and then you can go and breathe in some fresh air and pray out there if you need to as well, all right? So I'm going to send you off in a second um, to pray. 
uh, confess whatever it is you need to confess and ask God to do what only he can do in your life. Let's pray. There's a, something really significant about praying um, for ourselves and then transitioning from there to praying for not ourselves. And it's powerful because in this next season, um, we, we started off just now praying for, for me, for us, right, for ourselves. And in this next season, we're going to ask you to pray not for self, but for others, I'm going to ask you literally, very literally, to pray for one another. And then we're going to pray for this church, this church community together. And what's really cool is we're actually going to ask you to pray for the exact same thing that you just prayed for. But to pray that prayer uh, for God to recreate us. But to pray that prayer, not just for me, but to say, God, would you recreate the people in this community, the people that I'm sitting next to, the people that I'm rubbing shoulders with, whether they're strangers that you're going to meet for the first time tonight or brand, um, brand new, <laughs> or people that are like your best friends or family or whatever else it might be. And I know we run the gamut here, right? Some of you guys know each other really, really well, and others of you are going to meet for the first time tonight. But there's something that connects us with one another when we pray together, pray for each other. And so here's, um, here are some prayer points that we would love for you to, to pray um, together in a second here. One, uh, first, we're going to ask you to get together with like two to three other people here. And again, let me say this. If, if you are here right now and you just, you're not in that mode, you just really, really need that time on your own, again, there's no, there's no like requirement of you tonight. It's okay. Right? But we would invite you, if at all possible, man, pray with and for one another. There's just something powerful about that. So we're going to ask you to get together with two to three other people around you. And uh, first, we'd love for you to share just very briefly ways you can pray for each other. Um, share some prayer requests, real simple ones. Um, share in as much or as little detail as you feel comfortable. And then would you pray for our church? Would you pray for your church, this church community? Here are some specific things you could pray for. Pray for the launch of our, t our, our morning service on our birthday, 10.30 a.m. Uh, we've never done a regular morning service, and so this is an exciting new territory for us, but it's one that we feel like God is calling us to and leading us to, to especially in particular to engage young families um, and, and others who would just be much more apt to show up uh, on, on a Sunday morning. Uh, pray for the launch of missional communities, that those would be vibrant, that you all and others in our city would thrive in the life of a missional community. And then you met Marnie earlier. Pray for Marnie. Pray for kids' ministry. Pray that um, it, she, she is able to just take it to the next level, that God would empower her and use her to take our kids' ministry to the next level. Pray for um, all the volunteers who set up the space so that we all can sit and enjoy. I mean, this is work. There were countless people here earlier this afternoon that made this space happen to look and feel and sound this way. So pray for them and pray that those teams would grow and the vibe too, just the vibe of Awakening Church. Little things that I take for granted all the time, like a donut hole, right? And coffee and all sorts, of, uh, a table to sit at and talk to a friend. 
at. I mean, these little things, there's a team of people who put that together so that this, this community has a certain vibe. So pray for that team. Pray for all of our teams. Pray for our leaders. All right? So you're going to get together with a couple of people, two, three people next to you. Share your name and uh, something you can pray for in your life. Pray for each other. Pray for 1030 service. Pray for missional communities. And then pray for all our teams as we launch into this new season of uh, the life of our church. Good? I know it's a little nerve-wracking. Shake it out, right? Shake out the nerves. You're all eyeballing each other. Like, okay, who am I going to have to pray with? It's kind of weird. It's okay. No pressure. If you just need some quiet space, there's still that area back there and outside and whatever else. Um, there's an invitation to pray with one another. All right. Uh, get together with two, three people next to you, and uh, let's pray with one another, and then the band will lead us in another song. We're going to move into one last movement of prayer for tonight. Uh, <clears throat> when I recall back to, like, you know, 15, 16 months ago when uh, Ryan and I would sit and just talk and dream before any of this was real, uh, we would just sit and dream. And the question we asked all the time um, on random Tuesday afternoons over a sandwich um, at the Haymarket. Oh, man, I'm just getting nostalgic now. And a beer. <laughs> um, uh, we, would, we would ask the question, man, do we love our city? Like, I don't mean we collectively as a church. I mean, like, we, you, me, you know, Ryan and Jay. And uh, a bunch of our leaders and staff ask that question. And I remember the two of us, we would have to answer, like, without giving it too much thought, because the reality was, no, we don't. We don't love our city um, the way we ought to. And a year later, a little over a year later, I can honestly say that I still don't love my city the way I think I should, um, the way I know I am capable of loving this city. But I can also say that by God's grace, I love this city more than I did a year ago. And here's why. Because it's a novel idea to say, man, we love our city. We, we love San Jose. We love this community. We love, right? It's, it's a novel idea, and it sounds really good, and it sounds very Christian, and it sounds like the right thing. But it's none of those reasons. None of that is, not a single one of those things is the reason why I think I love my city just a little bit more today than I did a year ago. The reason I love my city a little more than I did a year ago is because my city is starting to take on names and faces. My city looks like Del Mar High School and the students here and the teachers here. My city looks like Sal, who's head of the maintenance staff here at Del Mar, who thought my name was Tony for like the first nine months of our church. I don't know what he thought Tony's name was. It's just so confusing. And just recently found out my name's Jay. Just today, this afternoon, he saw me in the hallway. It was Jay. Hey, man, how's it going? Good, how are you? Just chit-chatting. He's stressed, right? He's like, oh, I'm a little stressed. The county's going to come by, do an inspection of our, church, uh, of our, of our uh, school, and we got to get those doors painted, these doors down this hall here. You guys want to paint some doors? That's what he told me. I was like, when do you need him painted by? Wednesday. 
I was like, I don't know, dude. Today's Sunday. It's going to be rough. And we just got to talking, and he's like, ah, it doesn't matter. If you can't do it, it's fine. We'll figure it out. But man, Sal and I are friends. He's not approaching me like some awkward church. like, oh, you guys are here. Make sure you lock up. Did you pay rent? You know you need to be out here, out of here by 930 tonight. No, it's, we're just we're friends. We talk about the 49ers and his kids and the sixth bedroom that he built <laughs> on his house, right? I mean, we just talk about life. And that's my city. In our 5 o'clock service, this whole section right here was filled with like 20 freshmen and sophomores from San Jose State University. Seven of them were baptized in this cafeteria last year. That's my city. This school is my city. Tomorrow, when you all leave tonight, and we'll clear this place out and get rid of chairs and pull out the cafeteria tables, tomorrow this room will turn back into a high school cafeteria, and there will be 800 high schoolers in this room tomorrow. My, my deepest desire is that the Holy Spirit, the wind of God flowing in and out of this place that you are feeling now would linger and stick around after we leave. My desire is that God would move in this place, not just tonight, but tomorrow when 800 high school students show up, tired and groggy, hating that math test that they've got to take in third period. I hope that they experience God, at least a smidge of him, the way we're experiencing now. And I hope that because this school, Del Mar, is my city. San Jose State is my city. My neighbors that I gave Advent cookies to this year, because I told all of you to do it, and I was like, I can't not do it. It's like the most awkward cookie delivery. So many of them had their little chain still on, and they're like, hello? <laughs> it's like, hey, we're your neighbors. Oh, did you just move in? Not lived here like four years. <laughs> so embarrassing. And I gave them some cookies, and they are my city. So who is your city that you will strive and passionately pursue to love. We're going to ask you now collectively to pray for a recreation in our city. Here are some prayer points. Um, be up here on the screen. Would you pray for the faculty and students of Del Mar High School? Just pray for them as they show up tomorrow. Um, man, high school teachers, if you are a teacher of any high school, middle school, elementary, whatever, God bless you. My wife is a teacher I will never be a teacher. It is like the hardest thing. It's like the best and worst thing ever. Um, so pray for the teachers uh, and the students. Pray for your workplace and your school. Some of you go to San Jose State, pray passionately for San Jose State. Some of you go to Santa Clara, pray passionately for Santa Clara. Some of you are at West Valley and De Anza and Foothill and San Jose City and Evergreen and Mission and Gavilan and wherever else, and you desperately want to get out. Stop desperately wanting to, I mean, get out. Don't be there, you know, until you're 38 or anything. <laughs> but while you're there, would you pray for your campus? Uh, pray for other spheres of influence. Pray specifically for those who don't know Jesus. Would you pray for city officials and leaders of industry? The industry here in our city leads the way globally. 
Can you imagine if like the, the, the top of the food chain guys at places like Google and Apple and Facebook encountered Jesus in a significant way? And when I say that, the cynic in all of us says, well, that's not going to happen. But pray for it anyways and watch what happens when we build crappy windmills and the wind, the Spirit of God moves. You pray for other local churches. You know them, right? Some of you are, you know, you grew up in other local churches, right? Pray for Westgate, pray for Venture, pray for South Bay, Church on the Hill, Willow Glen Baptist. I mean, whatever comes to mind, pray for the other local churches in the area that are trying to do kingdom work. You guys good with that? Everyone good? It's so dark, I can't tell if you're sleeping or with me. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay, that was intentional. Here's what we're going to do. This is really risky. I just felt moved on the inside back there while we were singing. Ryan may fire me for this if it does not go well. Here's what I want to do. I mean, if you can't tell, I'm Korean, American. And um, I don't know why that's funny. That's really mean that you would laugh at my ethnicity. Uh, I grew up in Korean American churches, and there's a lot about it that didn't make sense to me. And one of the things that did not make sense, but I was dearly fond of, um, has anybody ever experienced like a Korean prayer service? Anybody at all? Just raise your hand high so I can see you. Yeah, some of you. It gets crazy. Because you know what? They don't care. They don't care. They just pray out loud, everybody all together at once. And you know why? Okay, here we go. I'm getting fired now. Just give me a chance. Just give me a chance. Um, Here's what was always so incredible about that to me. The first few moments of it, it becomes insanely awkward because you're going to trickle into it. You're going to like wonder, okay, like if I just start praying right now out loud, other people are going to hear me. I got to wait for other people to start praying so no one else can hear me. And here is the amazing psychological, spiritual, physiological thing that happens when we pray out loud. You begin to understand that what others think does not matter. And when you realize that you are in a room full of people who believe that exact same truth, what you then begin to experience is that you are collective and one in ways that you have never been before. So this is risky, but here is what I am going to ask us to do. I'm going to ask us to pray for our city out loud. There is a story in the scriptures where the Jewish people marched quietly around the walls of a city that God had promised them, and then they blew their trumpets, and the walls came crashing down. I believe that God wants to reclaim our city. This campus, San Jose State, Santa Clara, De Anza, West Valley, Foothill, all of your college campuses. I believe God wants to reclaim your workplace. I I think God wants to claim Google and Facebook and Apple too. And Yahoo. I did not forget about you, Reed. (laughs) So if we want that same thing, let's just pray like we want it. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Get those voices ready. (laughs) So here are your prayer points. 
pray specifically for people and names and faces that come to mind. Ready? Oh, man, that was bad. That was bad. Is everybody ready? All right. I'm going to pray for us just so you can hear a voice and feel safe. And I'm going to say amen. And then we will all out loud together pray for our city. Let's pray together. God, we are grateful for who you are. We are grateful and in awe of the truth, the reality that you move in powerful ways, even when we have nothing but scraps. And so, God, as the hundred plus people in this room, for a moment, pray with everything we have, with every breath of air in our lungs, as we lift the city of San Jose and the Silicon Valley, as we lift our schools and workplaces and spheres of influence, as we lift Del Mar High School, to you and ask that your wind, your spirit would move in powerful, transformative ways. Hear our cries, God, come and move. Change, transform, redeem, rescue, and recreate that your kingdom would be here in San Jose as it is in heaven. Amen. Let's pray.